0: Welcome to Asbury Pod with Amy Quinn and Joe Walsh. This week, we talk to veteran Asbury Park educators who are toiling on the front lines of the nation's Zoom school experiment, how it started, how it's going, and will some of these changes be permanent when we return to the classroom? Welcome Janice Kroposky, Jamie Clark, and Maggie Stone.
1: The matters addressed in this podcast represent my own personal views and opinions concerning issues affecting the citizens of Asbury Park in my capacity as the deputy mayor of the city of Asbury Park. They do not necessarily represent the official position of the city or the official position of the Asbury Park City Council as a whole. I am developing and implementing this podcast in an effort to keep citizens informed. However, this is not an official City of Asbury Park podcast and does not, and I repeat, does not represent the official position of the city or the governing body. Everybody, it's October 13th to Asbury Pod. Uh, we're dedicating this show to how COVID has affected um the school system in general, but I think probably across the board, most school systems. Um, I have to tell one story I asked four teachers to do this podcast, all most friends of mine, or certainly people I know. Every single one of them said, it's really out of my comfort zone, including the two of you. Everybody (laughs) used those words. Everybody was like, this is really outside of my comfort zone. And I think the only reason you two did is because you are personally friends with me and it would have been very unpleasant if you had both said no, like the other two people did. Um, so I want to super, super thank you both because you both um, both Maggie and um, and I'm going to call Miss Jamie Miss Jamie because that's what I've been calling yeah. for, years, um, for doing it because the other two teachers um, found it to be just so not anything they wanted to do and were like anxious at the mere idea of me asking them to do it. So, thank you both.
0: You should, don't worry about it. Amy Amy and I can testify there are exactly 12 listeners to this podcast. Yes. (laughs) We know (laughs) that we know Um, them all.
1: (laughs) I know. So, the only thing I'll say is we say that we actually get a few hundred listeners, but it's a better story and shtick if we act like we don't get any listeners.
2: So,
1: (laughs) um, we're sticking with that shtick. But yes, technically, 275 people are going to hear your responses potentially. Okay, nice. Um, And they're all Asbury Park. Well, no, no, no. They're not all actually. Yeah,
0: once in a while, there's like, yeah. I have a friend from Providence who tunes in every once in a while to to be confused by all of this.
1: And your sister, Joe. I feel
0: like. My sisters are dedicated tit and falls listener. She is. She is very good good people.
1: (laughs) So, um, so how I thought we would start this, um, and we try to keep these at an hour because of short attention spans. Was if you could just you know just tell us who you are, what you teach, how long you've been teaching. Um, you know, maybe a little bit about yourself, that would be wonderful. And I'm acknowledging Miss Jamie and Maggie and I've not introduced Janice, but um, Janice was the only person who's like, yeah, sure, I'll do the podcast. It's fine. (laughs) Why not? (laughs) (laughs) So thank you, Janice, for not making me um, wait a week or two to get a response and then having to bully text you. You know, we've known each other a really long time.
0: (laughs) With introductions, let's start with Janice then.
2: Oh, uh, well, thanks for asking me, Amy. This is fun. And it's so nice to see Jamie and Maggie. Um, I haven't seen Maggie in a long time. (laughs) Great to see you. Um, I've been in education for 25 years. I was a classroom teacher for 20 years. And I worked at Kane University for a couple years. And I've been at Asbury Park in the school district for this is my fourth year. And my third year as a supervisor. So I've been I'm going to say at-
1: one I was gonna say one other thing about you, Janice is um, we we have a number of boards and committees and commissions in Asbury Park, many of which are spicy, very, very spicy. People are very passionate in Asbury Park and they're passionate about a piece of grass or a piece of art or whatever. Um, and we threw Janice on the library board. <laughs> which you would think is not our spiciest committee, but actually maybe our spiciest committee in terms of lawyers and litigation and fighting and this and that. Um, So thank you, Janice, for serving on that committee. Oh, it's my pleasure. I know. I saw you after one of the first meetings, and you um, looked like a deer in the headlights, so much appreciated.
2: (laughs) Anytime. It is fun. And that's a a great library, too. It's Mm -hmm. fantastic. (laughs)
0: Amy, that should be our next uh, uh, guest library, Asbury Park Library.
1: Well, me Uh, and some people in the library hate each other's guts, so that's (laughs) probably not (laughs) going to
0: happen. We'll talk about something else. So, so Jamie, tell us about yourself.
3: Okay, so my name is Jamie Clark. Um, I have been teaching in Asbury since 1999. I actually started very early on in the consortium schools, and spent about fifteen years there, and then about five years ago, I moved in district, um, and I'm, I've been exclusively teaching preschool through all of those years. Um, I have my degree from Kane University in, with my P through three, K through eight, and then I got my master's in special education um, about a couple of years ago. I have a fourteen-year-old son and an amazing dog as well, <laughs> Bradley. <laughs>
0: So, students you first taught at Asbury High School have now graduated from the high school system are now attending Kane or uh, and or have grad. Yeah. From-
3: yes. Um. And you know, a really good story is that um, one of my students when I was in grad school, I'm um, getting my master's. He was all a freshman at Monmouth University at the same time as me, and so it was pretty unique to be able to see him um, and cheer him on as well. I just remember from being a baby to going to college at the same time. It's pretty
0: interesting. Right. Full, full life cycle education here in Asbury park. Yes. Um, Margaret, tell us about yourself.
4: Um, <clears throat> hi everybody. Maggie Stone, Maggie, Joe. Oh, sorry. So formal. <laughs> Very not me. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, this You're is like, my more-
4: 19th year at Asbury park school district. I've been in the high school the entire time. I actually did my student teaching there and fell in love with it. I really did. So I was fortunate to walk right into a job after student teaching. So I teach English. Um, I have, in the past several years, I've had nothing but the juniors and seniors which I love. The older they are, the better I like them. Jamie, I don't know how you do it. <laughs> I would say the same. Patients have a sing. <laughs> um, but they're really, really fun. I graduated from Monmouth University also. I got my bachelor's there. I got my master's degree for, um, in both English and creative writing. So it was a duel, um from Southern New Hampshire University. My kids are grown and gone. It's a very quiet house here now, and uh, everything's good.
1: And a long time Asbury Park resident, Maggie. I mean, I know you've left us now. Asbury Park resident, I know. Yes. Um, Maggie was so good. So when I was doing Door to Door years ago, and John and I were exhausted from whatever, doing Door to Door, Jack uh, Maggie would let us in and show us every time all the cats that you were bottle feeding, um, which made, made our door-to-door so much more pleasant. <laughs> Amy um, couldn't wait to come to my house. <laughs> oh my god, we're like, oh, let's go to Maggie's house. We'll, we'll kill like 45 minutes. We'll shoot the breeze and see some kids. Um, and I should do a disclaimer that uh, Miss Jamie was my son's teacher for uh, uh, pre-K one and two. Um, and, and those are the reasons um, those two women said they do this podcast and the other women said they didn't. Can I just bring up one question? So it seems to me like, and, and this is just for my edification, when you pick an age, do you stay in that age throughout your school teaching years or does it, like Maggie, you clearly like high school, Miss Jamie, you're clearly great with younger like do, do, do they do you get switched around by people like janice or do you stay generally yeah. where correct where you're at
3: so you don't it, it would all be based on your credentials but also maybe where the need would be in the district um that would be like a big thing about deciding where you would go but a lot of it is also based on need and if you're like like Certain certifications, like for preschool, you have to have a P through three certification. So you would need teachers who have their P through three certifications. Just like for special education, you would need a special education degree. So a lot of it's based on the certification and um, the need of where teachers are. But we've been very—I've been very fortunate to be somewhere that I love for all of these years.
0: So (laughs) there.
1: They wouldn't switch you, Miss Jamie. So Janice, there would—is there a, a situation where Miss Jamie and Maggie would have to say switch the the, the ages they're teaching? Uh,
2: just like Jamie said, it would depend on the certifications that they hold and the need that the district has. So if someone has a unique certification, um, they may be moved around. But generally, you stay within your cert. You know your your age group. Like, I've only taught high school, even though I'm certified to teach middle school also. Mm -hmm. So I've only taught um, mostly juniors and seniors, just like Maggie. Okay. For years. Oh, that's Mm -hmm. interesting. Mm -hmm.
0: Without the certification. So Janice, essentially, you're the one who could be moved, right? Because you have the dual certification. Um, Yeah. Unless you have that. Otherwise, you're sort of, you're staying in your lane. Um,
1: And when you're getting your degree, are you envisioning the the age of the kids you want to teach? Like, are you thinking I want on the younger side? Ms. Jamie and Maggie, you're thinking I want on the older side.
3: Well, so for myself, when I had went, I had pictured elementary, but the degree that I got was a dual cert. So I have my P through three and my K through eight. So I could go through middle school. Um, However, when I went back for my master's for special education, that actually goes to high school. So um, it's very fluid. I only wanted to teach high school.
1: And that's I, all you've ever
4: taught. That's all I've ever taught. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm very happy where I am.
1: Yeah, this podcast is not to try to move either one yeah, either. yeah, I just I don't know much about teaching. I'll, I'll say that
0: suddenly every, everyone's upset and sweating. What's going on?
2: <laughs> oh, <really? laughs> like, oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> It'll be a surprise, Maggie. You're in first grade yes. <laughs> <laughs> to tomorrow when she goes in, right? Right. <laughs> um, I know. I may tell Sanjay to be like to call Maggie and tell her you're <laughs> putting her in. Oh, no,
1: I'm just kidding. I'm totally kidding. I'm totally, totally kidding. Um. <laughs> Okay, so one thing throughout COVID, and unless I'm interrupting you, Joe, is um, what I want to talk about. We, we've done we've done this podcast for about a year and a half, and prior to COVID, we were just kind of highlighting people and characters in town, and because you know we Joe and I both love Asbury Park, and and always want to tell its story. Um, and then COVID hit, and then we started talking um, to Lieutenant Governor, uh, former Lieutenant Governor um, Kim Godano, who ran the food bank, and Tommy Arnome, and and the freehold director. And then we talked to small businesses like the owner of Watermark and, and the, and the woman who runs the pony, which was such a, such a good podcast. And you, and Maggie, you know, you, you know, right. Right. She's such such good people. Um, And so we've really tried to focus on how COVID has affected kind of, you know, what you normally do. And so a couple of questions, and I'm just going to use my experience in terms of a little bit of the one, I'm not technologically savvy, so when I'm on virtual kindergarten and Miss Wright Schwartz asks me to do something, there is always a lengthy delay and an inevitable. May you know, I may get it. I may. I may not. My wife is is very technologically savvy, so I want to touch on um, how technologically savvy you guys were prior to COVID, and and then I want to touch a little bit on the digital divide. So, would you? Would you all, and we can start with Janice? Would you have considered yourself technologically savvy?
2: Uh, no. Okay. <laughs> no, not really. I, you know, I could do basic things in the classroom with Google Classroom, um, but in terms of what the teachers are doing now, uh, I was I was not doing that prior to COVID. Not to the degree that's happening now, for sure.
0: Mm-mm can i clarify something for myself as I, so Asbury is 100% online uh, are you doing live remote synchronous classes or or both like live remote and online courses
3: both so we're doing asynchronous oh excuse me we're doing asynchronous um, and synchronous instruction so depending on your age mean? group synchronous is your live instruction okay and then asynchronous is your instruction that's more independent learning with support through the computer, through with your teacher, interacting with your teacher, but more independent work. So, like there's assigned activities and things that the children have to complete. And then you're as a teacher, you're responding to their work, you're supporting the children with their work as they need it, um, helping them. And that, but that's not live instruction. Live is synchronous instruction.
0: So to go back to Amy's question, like yeah, like would
1: you, would you, Maggie and and Miss Jamie, would you consider yourselves technologically savvy prior to this?
3: So for myself, yes, I would consider myself very technological savvy. However, with the way that we were um, supporting our families, um, learning different, like with the Zoom and the Google Meet, there were different, different things that we needed to help um, support the families with and be able to see um, see the students. So there was definitely adjustments that happened along the way. Um, and I kept fine-tuning different things as um, I came up with little problems that would pop up with the families. Um, I would definitely have to do a lot of fine tuning, just even being able to present the screen and seeing the children, but then learning that I can cast them onto my own television, little things and tweaks that helped really support um, the instruction, how we interact with the families. So even feeling being able to use technology really well, I still felt like there were things that I also needed to improve on. But definitely at this point, I felt like I've mastered those skills, just kept going at it.
4: I think I got better very quickly. <laughs> I feel like we were thrown under the bus, and right. I wasn't really technologically, you know, savvy at all. Well, I know my way about it around the Genesis Gradebook, but um, you know, the things that we did every day—of course, you get really good at—and all of a sudden, it's like engage these students, and you know, and there's a million amazing educational programs out there all online, Flipgrid, we're doing Flipgrid now where the students do like a one minute video of themselves. It's really cool. So you ask them a question and then they actually answer you in a video. So, you know, things like that. And I spent probably 30 minutes helping another teacher this morning try to get her Flipgrid set up. We all help each other. Yes. So I think that we're getting better at technology. We're getting better and better every day. We're helping each other. So it's, it's coming along.
1: But for you, Maggie, I feel like the difference is your kids are all technologically set. Like Miss Jamie's got kids and families who may or not, but your kids, I imagine, have they some level of higher technology than you do. do.
4: They do. And they helped me so much. And the very I made a video in the beginning of the year and I begged them all to be patient with me. And they're amazing. They're like, Miss Stone, go here, do this, try this, you know, and they're great. So
3: Yes, you're right. They're way better than I am. I would like to piggyback off of that a little bit too because um, we have three and four year olds, and three and four year olds are not independent using technology on their own and they need so a lot of support. So my entire like, day
1: is unmute yourself, mute yourself, unmute yourself because I have a five year old. You got to unmute yourself. Jensen, mute yourself. Gotta unmute yourself. I can't hear you, Jesse. Gotta unmute yourself. I mean, that is my entire day. Is 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 that? And she does it brilliantly. But yeah, that is my entire day.
3: Right. So so that's like a big component. And then um then when you're talking with families who are also learning how to use the technology themselves and supporting and training them that really made a difference like planning and making time to support the families how to utilize the technology because some of them had no experience prior to this um, time frame on a google Meet, on a zoom session how to log into even a google classroom and three-year-olds and four-year-olds are not independent enough on their own to do that so it really took a lot of work um, and i'd like to commend i mean our school district honestly they have provided so much training for us as teachers and families and opportunities for them to come in and get support, which I really think made a big difference um, when we started in September versus March, because March, it was so new for everybody. But now we've all had time to learn and adjust. And they provide so much support and training for us independently, um, even independent um, learning how to improve your skills with technology and different ways to interact with the um with technology and other supportive measures as well. But um, they've really given a lot of support to their teachers and the staff. I'm and gonna piggyback on
1: that. So in March, when when this was all kind of pieced together and everybody was just trying to figure out what was happening, Jensen had maybe Miss mm, because oh, it was still but you then miss Jamie and he maybe six to seven kids on that on that Zoom you know, right. just like, like there either wasn't, I, I don't know what, they didn't have Wi-Fi, they didn't have a tablet that, you know, this was prior to the Correct. city, the school district giving out tablets, but it was the same five or six kids. It was Jensen, it was Malcolm, it was JJ, and maybe two or three other kids, mm-hmm. March, April, you know, throughout months. And what I will say now, you know, even in September, Miss Wright Schwartz varies between, I would say, 12 and 16 kids, so I think that's huge strides. And, and, I, and I want to talk about the digital divide only because it was so much in my face back in March where there were so many kids in, in Jensen's class, in, in your class, Ms. Jamie, that I never saw on the Zooms, um, at least through March, April, May, um, and that I now see in, now saw in September.
3: Yeah, so I think providing tablets to the families, um, giving students access to Wi Fi that they may not have had because at home prior they may have had to share one device between multiple fam- um, children in their families, you know, or maybe they didn't have the devices at all, or maybe they didn't have Wi Fi. But by the district providing um, tablets with embedded Wi Fi in them, all the students have access, and I've seen a bigger number of students come. My entire class comes for every component of every day every day i will say jensen oh, yeah
1: miss ray schwartz it's it can go up to and i don't know what the limit is so i might be wrong because it's squares but i'm gonna say i see at least between what feels like 13 and 15 kids in that class
0: mm-hmm. and yeah. I'd, also, I'd also jump in and say it wasn't just the students i mean i didn't know a single teacher who had a 1500 hundred dollar brand new laptop capable of uh forming a uh uh, do it yourself TV studio at home for which to run an entire curriculum. So on the teacher's side, there was a lot of like, you know, upgrading hardware and, 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 um, you know, the districts, at least in my sister's district, um, they were like, okay, teach all these classes. And sure. not everyone had <laughs> their own computer, uh, you know, high end equipment with, with cameras and sound to do it. So there's like, there was the district. Yes. I'm glad the district gave all the uh, students tablets, uh, you know, but I'm not sure like if any districts help their own their own employees uh, skill up either, and that, that's not a question for you guys. I don't want to put anyone on the spot. You.
3: Well, I'm going to answer the question because to be honest, very early on they took a survey to see well, did we have the technology to do it. Our district provides. Um, laptops to each of the teachers to use. My actual individual laptop that I had been provided um, prior did not have a camera. Well, they asked who needs an update on their computers. And as soon as they were able to, um, now starting September before the school year started, they gave me a new computer with the technology and the um, camera. Of course I had my own computer, but the option to provide that to the teachers so that they can do it regardless of what you had at home, um, was available, they did make that effort to make sure we had what we needed and the children had what they needed as well.
0: well that's so great to too. it that. made
3: a big difference. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I, mean, that was, uh, I know that's a challenge. Um, and because, you know, we, we all have uh, our own kids and family members and we're all working from home themselves to so need more than one computer, right? Cause that's right. And the kids are on there. So we're, you know, I work for Rutgers University. I have some students who, um, who are home in a house with three adult kids and a parent, all of whom are home working remote. So we have three, three children, three adult children who are in college. So they're taking each taking 15 credits online. Plus their Mm -hmm. parent, they're competing with their parent who needs to work from home. So they only had one computer, right? You know, the, the, we're forced into this by circumstances, but you know, even families that are, um, nominally well off still struggle mm-hmm. to meet this technological need. Like this is an, ex- you know, it's a luxury to have multiple computers lying around the- with microphones. Yeah. You know, if I didn't, if I, you know, the only reason I have all my toys like this with this stupid microphone and, and this is you know, the other stuff back here is cause I don't have to spend it on kids and other things like that. You know, if you have, yeah. um, but anyway, I'm, 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 uh, I, I've, I've hijacked the conversation, Amy. So
1: yeah, so I was gonna agree with what everybody's saying, and in <laughs> addition, um, so we would probably be somewhat, I think, clarified as middle class. And um, while we had the physical technology, the lab, you know, we had laptops and we had Wi-Fi. Um, I had no concept of Google Meets or Seesaw, which I still am like working. Yeah. But one day, Miss Reichworth says something like, "Okay, Amy, you have to get off and get back on because whatever sound and." you know, I, I don't know that I can get back on. I will do, try to do this, but, um, you know, I, I, I think like that for, you know, the, the, I think the actual technology for somebody who's, you know, mildly interested in, in social media and technology for me, um, the, the technology, it, it doesn't feel like it interfaces really well with each other. And then you have right. to kind of master each one individually so you have to kind of master google meets you have to kind of master seesaw um and i think that's probably because we've never been in a pandemic where all of this stuff had to interface together and work really well i'm not you know somebody's going to invent something that that all works really well together as a result of this
3: right and learning it so quickly at one time you know Basically, you're thrown into it right away. And so you're trying to navigate all platforms at the same time. So I think that makes a big difference. And then when you think about families who might have a language barrier um, and understanding how to communicate back and forth um, with the teacher and understanding the technology they may have had very little exposure to in the past and um, also teaching and educating the families on how to use it. You know, um, it's it's a big process, but we are making strides, and there is dedicated time every day to support the families and touch base with them, which is really nice.
0: That's uh, I Have a broader question. When when we when we went online, was there any substantive change to the curriculum that had to be made to accommodate the change, or are we mandated? to teach the same curriculum, regardless of the methodology, right? So we have to like, include everything that we would ordinarily include, or, you know, all, check all the boxes in an online version that we would have to in person, or was there an accommodation to the emergency measures? Like the, the, this is under duress and not a hundred percent what we would want to do. Were we able to change the curriculum
2: well, the uh, state of New Jersey mandates what we have to teach through our New Jersey student learning standards, uh, but what the state did do was suspend the standardized assessment for the, the year, the academic year last year, um, which alleviated some of the pressure, I think, uh, in terms of um, standardized scores, right? Because we rank schools based on assessment scores. Um, And I know that that, uh, it was under discussion. It is under discussion depending on what happens throughout the rest of this academic year in terms of those kinds of assessments. But um, in terms of what the the New Jersey Department of Ed expects, uh, we are constantly submitting reports to the county superintendent's office, and they are monitoring the instructional process. Definitely. Hmm.
4: Can I talk a little bit about the English curriculum?
2: Sure.
1: Please.
4: Um, I mean, the testing—that's all Janice. But on a day-to-day basis, we were—we started using a textbook. I think it was two years ago, Janice, right? Mm -hmm. And the whole textbook is an online platform. So we really did not have to change our curriculum. I mean, everything is embedded in this online platform. So you have the texts, you have the text with audio, there are videos to support the texts, I mean, and there's actually three books. There's the the regular textbook. Then there's another one called A Close Reader, where they have to answer questions about certain parts of the text. Um, And then there's another one for writing. So, I mean, we really were fortunate to have already been working with that textbook. I will say that are like right now with my seniors, I usually go into Shakespeare and we do Hamlet and it's in the textbook and I love it. I'm very enthusiastic about Shakespeare, naturally, right? English nerd. But I'm not doing it yet because I they'll lose it and they'll hate it if they do it from home. So I'm waiting until the students come back. And I'm throwing in some poetry, and you know, <laughs> until I can be with them and stop and explain and tell them how cool Shakespeare really is. So, like, the curriculum itself doesn't change, but I am switching the order of it.
0: You, you raise a great point, as as um, I'm a refugee from the English department um, myself here, <laughs> and uh, so so much of humanity's teaching are not, you know, uh, fact you know, not lists of facts. In other words, uh, it's not like a Wikipedia article when, you know, it's not important. necessarily important that you remember that, you know, the name of Horatio skull, but more about what is the spirit of the conversation around that, right? Yes. So, Much different way of, uh, much more difficult to do this over the phone, so to speak, right. Than in person where you can emote. So have you found, I guess this is across the board. Have you found that okay, now that we're adapting to the methodologies, um, things are getting better in that regard being able to communicate the intangibles or you still think this is you know because we may be stuck with this for you know another half a year or so before we can go back or god forbid worse um are you are you becoming you, uh, as this goes on do you feel that you'll be able to communicate those sort of intangible things more more effectively um
4: I do because I think that with practice anything gets better and right you know and right now it's new but I just I mean, as I say to my students, no one goes into teaching to sit and talk to a computer screen. You know, I mean, we're there for the interaction with the students. So I think that, of course, something's going to go lost
3: so i would agree um very early on last year when we were learning i had to as i was saying earlier in in the podcast that even though i knew a lot of technology and i knew how to you know teach i never taught through the computer and there were a lot of things that i had to learn so with three and four-year-olds you know i'm going to read them a story i have thousands not thousands maybe hundreds of the children's book in my personal library that I can read to my children. I pick up a book and I would read it. But then I would think about the different ways I'm engaging them. Can they see the the book? Can they see the pages? Can they see the words? There was different ways of how they engage with me and how I would engage with them, even controlling the lighting and seeing those things. But then I kept refining and seeing, okay, you know what? I can screencast this information. So then I was able to get the book on the screen closer and they were able to interact and respond a lot better to the context um, and see visually the pictures and the words and things that we were discussing. Um, and so the more we practiced, the more we learned with it, I saw that my students, just as they're visual learners in the classroom, really needed those visuals when we were on the computer screen. So we started working with Google Slides, which is very similar to PowerPoint. And I was starting able I was starting to be able to take my instruction and the things that I wanted to present to them, put them in the slides and we do spend a lot of time making slides, but I'm very fortunate to collaborate with my teachers and we all work together um, and we take different components and because we're collaborating and working together, we are able to put so much effort and quality into the work that we are now presenting to our children. It's incredible. Um, the amount of work that we are doing and able to provide for them with the Google Slides has made such a difference. Um, and right now, actually, we're in the beginning of assessing our students to see what they know so we can observe how much they grow throughout this time frame, And we're already seeing some growth Um, even with my brand new three-year-olds and how much they're learning in the classroom. And I think it's pretty incredible how we've taken a little bit from what we learned in the beginning and if able to transform that um, working together, I think that's made a huge difference.
2: Um,
1: One thing I mentioned, there there was a New York times article a couple months ago and Maggie, you commented on it, but it was about kids who had, LGBTQ or disabled or kids who were different in some way now um, uh, thriving at home virtually. And I have several friends who have told me that they're mainly teenagers um, are thriving at home, including uh, my neighbor, uh, Jim Souter, who's down the street. And me, my wife, we, we and a, a number of us have had this conversation several times, like uh, uh, Jeffrey, uh, if if given the opportunity at uh, 11 12 13 14 or 15 to have not have to go into school and i'm you know certainly for me heather and Jeffrey, who were you know gay right mm-hmm. this this pandemic and i and i kid you not in in this sense would have been amazing for us right we wouldn't have had to deal with gym classes or 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 you're a homosexual you know all of the things then that people in in minority groups deal with. So, you know, in some ways I look at it and I, and I read that article and have friends who are also experiencing it as, you know, what I wouldn't have given to not have to go to high school, a Catholic high school every day as a gay person. Um, it would have been lovely. It would have removed such a level of my stress. Um, so just wondering, and maybe that's a little bit more baggy, um, and, and, and Miss Jamie, but I actually have, you're seeing. So
3: personal, personally, I have my own son who's now 14 years old and uh, we recently moved, but the school district that he had been in for the last several years, um, he really struggled And his, he's very smart and very driven, but Um, The way he was being treated in school really, really just started bringing him down through the years. And I would say that once we became virtual in March, it was almost like a sense of healing. He had an opportunity to heal, not hear the things on a daily basis that he was being called or told, Um, you know, both negative, um, you know, I, I don't want to I don't want to be too negative on the school, but um, it was just a lot over the last few years. And, you know, he really struggled there. And so having the opportunity to be home with him while even though he was independently doing his schoolwork, he wasn't in an environment that was causing him all the stressors that he had been experiencing. Um, and he started slowly becoming who he was, a happy child again, Um because there was a period of time that we were concerned he was depressed and he actually probably was. Um, and so as of now, he's doing really, really well, just being taken out of that environment. It's almost been like a healing for him. Um, and at this point we've decided that he will go part-time um, to a special program at the career center. Um, but as far as high school goes, he's going to remain um, virtual and and just maintain that way and keep growing
1: and i'd be it's curious what janice and maggie are seeing in in being more prominent in the high school
3: mm-hmm.
4: i think that the majority of my students really really miss the atmosphere they miss their friends they miss and i think i said that to, didn't i respond to that yeah yeah you didn't responded you? and said it really depends on the kid yeah it does of course it mm-hmm. does i mean there are people like jamie's son and but then there are the kids that are the cheerleaders and the you know all up in every yes. social aspect and they really really miss
3: that so I I definitely think it depends on the the child yeah. And school's a really big safety and security place as well um, for some children where there's, you know, there's safety and security and what they depend on from their teachers. And, you know, even down to lunch can really make a difference. So it is it can be a safe place for some and for others. They have a lot to manage and deal with.
1: Yeah, I think it it. It has made, it is illustrated at least again, with just using, I, I, I obviously knew about Josh and I know about um, another friend of mine um, and also thinking, reflecting on how this would have been beneficial to me. Um, and and I think my friend Jeffrey feels mm-hmm. the same way and Heather, you know, Heather was kicked out of her home for being gay. So mm-hmm. I think this experience has made us all kind of, oh, and oh, that would have, wow, that would have been really nice. It's a nice option. Would really nice. <laughs> it would have been a really nice option. I'll, I'll say that. So, I mean, I'm, you know, and I'm, I'm going to ask all of you a little bit about, you know, name some, name a positive and negative from this experience, but um, that pressure cooker that some kids have felt under for a long time and not having it and not having like homeschooling, right. Cause that's its own thing. Like you sit at home and you know, th- mm-hmm. this, and maybe this is the same as homeschooling, but this the virtual schooling seems different with everybody and a teacher across and um, different than what at least I grew up believing homeschooling to be. So anyway, I'm not sure if I'm articulating that correctly, but positives and negatives to teaching during COVID or administrating during COVID.
4: Can I start? Sure. Yeah. yeah. First of all, and I think Jamie agrees with me, I think that Asbury Park School District really, really handled this well, as well as you can handle a pandemic, which, of course, you're literally just thrown in there. Um, They asked the parents in the district if they were comfortable sending their children back by survey. I think the majority of those parents said, no, they weren't comfortable, so we went remote. Janice, stop me if I'm wrong. so I thought that was commendable. Then they asked the teachers if we felt comfortable going back into the buildings and teaching remotely from the school. And if so, if not, that was fine. You could do it from home. But if you wanted to go into the building, that was fine too. Which days would you be there? How many days? Like They gave us choices, which I thought was really great. Um, I did go in a couple of days a week because I liked the structure and I just... I'd like be in my classroom. Um, so that would be a definite positive for me from an administrative you know, perspective. Um, and the fact that, as Jamie pointed out, every single student in our district was given an electronic device, and if they had trouble with Wi-Fi, they were given hotspots. I'm not even sure how that works. So, I mean, like, all those things I thought were great, Um, the negatives, technology, I mean, what are you going to do? It doesn't always work. And then I'm fortunate, Jamie, I don't know how you do it with babies, because if I can't, like, if my internet goes out, I can say, you know, post right in the Google Classroom, here is the work that you're responsible for today, it's due at 5 o'clock tonight. And I check it, and I, you know, but... I don't know what I'd do if I had your babies. So technology is probably the biggest drawback. I mean, you know, issues with technology like sound. Right. Into yes. <laughs> Perfect example.
0: This doesn't go away. I, I'm in I'm in Zoom meetings all day with PhDs who are who are spend half the time you know, with their arms waving and their mouth moving with no audio. So it's not um <laughs>
3: That happens with me as well. Um, Everything that Maggie said, I would absolutely reiterate. Um, Another positive that I've learned over this period of time is just how committed our families are to their children and their education. I mean, three and four-year-olds really do need their families, but their families are making the point to do it and be present. And while they're there, we've been able to spend time with them and get to know them, you know, through the screen, have conversations. They get to see what we're doing and we get to see how they interact with their children, give a lot of positive support, support, um, even positively comment on, Mom, I really like how you're explaining that to him or her. Dad, you know, you're doing a really good job demonstrating how to hold a pencil because We've really had to learn how to collaborate and work together. I am not on the other side with a three and four-year-old. I would have helped position their hand just to figure out how to hold a pencil and write. But I'm dependent upon their families um, to do that. So while that's my positive, my negative is that I'm not there and able to do that with them, which sometimes when I'm like seeing them needing support, I'm like, I wish I was there to be able to do it. So that was like um, one of my negatives that I would say. Um, and technology again, like learning how to extend a computer screen, um, so that I can physically see them while I'm teaching and presenting little things like that. But, um, you know, basically what Maggie had said about, you know, just being there and being supportive was really, really good.
0: Mm -hmm. Extending a desktop screen is, is, is quite a trick.
3: I had to learn how to do that because one of my struggles was why can I like I want to be able to see what my students read their body language, see how they're reacting when I show them things. So I spent a lot of time problem solving, which I said in the beginning, how to tweak and refine and make things happen so that way I can make it as successful for them you know, if I'm struggling on this, end, I can only imagine what they're doing on that. And well, now that we are thriving, they are thriving. So it's been a really good collaboration, but it really is collaboration, honestly, between the school district, the families, myself, my parish, she's incredible. I mean, my teachers that I work with, it's really been a good experience. And we've learned that we can all work together and depend on each other. It's really built a lot of trust.
2: Yeah. You know, there was no roadmap. Right, for a pandemic response on any level. Um, and, uh, you know, we have fire drills and lockdown drills and active shooter drills, and we can drill in the schools and bus evacuations. But what do you do during a pandemic? Um, and how do you respond quickly? Right. I, I remember in March, it was just, you know, no, nobody really knew what to do first. Um, but as time went on um, and I, you know, I appreciate what Maggie and Jamie said, because uh, I think there was a, a lot of um, uh, thinking and strategic thinking and critical thought that went into making sure that all of the students had access to the materials that they needed in order to continue to learn and be successful academically. Um, and making sure that the teachers also had the same resources to Joe's point before, you know, some teachers didn't have uh, computers at home to make sure that that was the case. Um, and, you know, I think that the district did a great job in, in ensuring all of that and providing kids what they need and the adults and the staff straight across the board, what they need and the support as well as the family. So, um, you know, now we have a roadmap for should something, you know, happen again, or now we know, right, but it was a huge learning curve for sure, I, th- I think, uh, and especially, you know, I have a 12-year-old son um, who goes to school two days. Uh, he's on the hybrid schedule, and I can see that Similar to Jamie's son, some of the, he's experienced some of the same things, being home. Um, and it's just been a tremendous experience. And I think everyone has responded differently and will be different as a result of the whole thing. And I think the whole face of education will be. I don't think we'll, we will return to the traditional model in the same way when this is over. The, I think yeah. options...
0: You, you you anticipated my next question is like, what, how does this change going forward? I, I, you know, do you anticipate that, you know, say we get back to quote normal, right? It, 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 um, but we don't see online or remote classes going away right now that it feels like there might be part of the curriculum going forward because they do... They do help break things up, and you know, and perhaps extend services uh, in a way that weren't um, available before. Well, maybe I'm maybe I'm wrong about that, but it seems to me that if we weren't adopting online in, in secondary school heavily in New Jersey, um, maybe going ahead, there's going to be a, they're going to be scattered throughout the schedule now. Or maybe, you know, do you, or do you think that maybe I'm wrong?
1: <laughs> oh, I think that, so I jumped online, what's today, Tuesday, Friday, and Miss Wright was taking an informal survey before Miss Wright Schwartz was taking an informal mm-hmm. survey. And, and, the, and the answers ranged from, you know, they were, you know, all up and down, virtual, in-person, hybrid, you know, so, so yeah, I think this is, to Janice's point, I 100% agree with you. I think this is changing the face of education. And as much as I would like my son to be in school, and, and Miss Jamie knows this, he spends a tremendous amount of time with my mother and, you know, aging people. So, you know, I would love for him to be back in school. There's nothing I would love more. It's just once I send him back, I lose... You know my seventy-seven-year-old mom. In in terms of helping, which I think adds a complicated layer to you know how parents are feeling during this entire thing. Which is, I'm going to have a group of parents on this podcast to talk about how um, this is and how this has affected kind of our being, and 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 it's really had a a direct hit on on women and mothers. Um, You know, and I think that's an interesting conversation, but. To both Janice and Joe's point, I think this has changed the face of education in terms of virtual schooling and hybrid and, and, and full back, back to school. Right. Mm-hmm. I, I, think,
2: I think that there is nothing. You can have the best curriculum, the best textbooks in the world, but there's nothing that can replace a teacher, um, for sure. Um, teachers are needed and necessary and and irreplaceable, but I think that with the emergence of technology, as we have seen throughout the pandemic, we'll have more options for individualized instruction for students, and we'll be able to make, you know, a, a space and a place for kids to thrive differently than the traditional sit in rows and, you know, here's the board and you know, as I was coming up through the system. So I think there's opportunity to reach kids where they, they need to be reached so they can thrive. And we realize that now more so because we were in this situation.
0: If we can maximize the, the positive. So we've had some positive uh, results of this. You know, so I guess going forward, we'd want to hold on to that while minimizing the technology as a barrier uh, to learning, right? Or a substitute, right? Like I said, Wikipedia is not education, uh-huh. a list of facts, you know, um, which are important, but yeah, you know, there's other things going on with with education that are hard to replicate without being think, in the same room. Right?
1: And the other thing I think, I think for me, what has been, and I don't want to spend a lot of time on it, but um, is the bashing of teachers that has taken place a little bit over, you know, in terms of teachers, you know, well they should just go back or you know lakewood that has had outbreak after outbreak and 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 the real bashing of um you know the 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 saint making saints into um, nurses doctors of uh, public certain public health and then the the demonizing of teachers i know again just as somebody who has a number of friends that are teachers that has been um felt really severely i think among them and and mm-hmm. and that has been certainly a heartbreaking thing for me to to kind of see in them and and the hurt that they have felt in that in that in that demonizing of them
4: well amy i think that a lot of people don't realize how much work goes into setting up your online classroom every <sighs> single day and don't, yeah kids involved. I mean, I've, I've heard news interviews where people are like, well, tell teachers, get back in the classroom. They're getting a paycheck for doing nothing. <laughs> and I'm like, whoa. Totally. Meanwhile, I'm still working on something at eight o'clock at night, you know, or, you know, it's just crazy. I don't think that people realize how much work is involved behind the scenes before you actually sit in front of that classroom at your Google Meet time. I mean, because there's
3: a lot. So. It is a lot of prep. It is definitely a lot of prep, lot. especially when you're using multiple platforms between the slides, even setting up your seesaw, scheduling when you want your assignments to drop. They don't just show up. You have to actually, you know, design them. You have to enter each one in. You might be making activities that you want specific to go to what your curriculum or theme is. Um, for the younger grades, it definitely does take a lot of time. But, um For parents and people who bash um, teachers, you know, in some degree, there's some understanding just because they just don't understand how much. And there's so much change that is happening, you know, that everybody's unsure in this time. They just don't know what to expect and they don't know how long it's going to be. And so I just try to keep that in perspective, like, you know. It's just a lot. Everybody's going through a lot and everybody's trying to do their best. And so, you know, just like we're doing our very best, parents are trying to do their best. They're trying to juggle multiple children. So, instead of letting it get us overwhelmed, just trying to refocus and recenter, like, you know, everybody's just trying their best and work through it, you know? I think it's hard for everybody, especially when that, there's so much unknown.
1: So. Yeah, I think it's even hard as a non-teacher to see it. It's like, oh my God, what's happening? And I, I'll give you like one example. Like I, I see Ms. Wright swords. Sometimes there's a parent's, who are like, is class done yet? And I swear to God, mm-hmm. without missing a beat, she's like, we're not done yet. We got two more problems to do. And like, her, <laughs> like me, I'd be she's like, yo, Jesus Christ, and get off if you want to. You know what I mean? Because I don't I don't have to do that. I don't have to be like, we only have two more questions left, right? I can just be like, go fuck yourself. Um, so I think that's seeing that in this environment and seeing, it just gives me so much respect for teachers because I feel like, I mean, I have to be nice to me to people who I don't necessarily always want to be nice to because I'm a politician, but I can also go tell people to go screw themselves. So I, I think the kindness I have seen both in my experience with my friends that are teachers, with Maggie, with Miss Jamie, is is um it's 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 truly amazing. So kudos to you. We're gonna go lighter because we're we're wrapping. Mm -hmm. Okay, so this may, uh, Janice, I don't know how familiar you are with Asbury, but I know Maggie is, and I think Miss Jamie is enough, that you guys can tell me of a place in Asbury Park that was here and is
4: now gone. Okay, I'll start. Go. I'm going to totally date myself in a second. But first of all, I would like to say that my favorite place in Asbury Park is Thriving. And that would be Moonstruck. <laughs> Is it thriving? <laughs> I Are they
1: know, even doing I... dining?
4: Are they doing outdoor Not dining? yet, but they okay. will. They'll be They're fine. doing it to go. Okay. And um, I'm going to date myself because when I was a kid, coming to Asbury Park was a huge deal. I grew up in Middletown. So... Like the fun house and the rides, and you know all those wonderful memories come back from Asbury Park. But then, of course, I lived there as an adult. I, I can't really think of anything like that's recently closed that I really, really miss. But do you remember
1: yeah. anybody's Maggie? Because I always use anybody's as, as the example. Do you remember the divy Bar where Wesley Grove was? It's mainly a male. Anyway, anybody's is any, The and K. <laughs> I know. So the M and K is before my time, but everybody, I, I wish, I wish I was here for the M and K. But the M and K was before my time. Miss um, Jamie, do you have an Asbury Park place that is here that is now gone?
3: Okay. So of course, like JJ Newberry's when I was younger, we used to go there all the time shopping and my dad would always take me up on the second floor. And I was like obsessed with like the fake jewelry rings that kids would find in the vending machines. So like, that was like a place I just liked to go to. I remember like going to Tom McCann's and getting saddle shoes for school, you know, from there. Um, When I actually graduated in 1998 from Asbury park, um, high school. And, um, I remember once I was like in a photography program and there was like this little studio would go up and learn like, um, photography classes, things like that. But I'd always go to this diner and I would have, it was like on the corner. Um, I believe it's like where, um, it might be Cross an orange over there on the corner by that by Bradley park. And, um, I would get like, um, I would just go in for an omelet on my break. Like, it was a lot of fun. Just different places that I would just go into. It was a lot of fun. So there is this mysterious diner that I kid
1: you not, right, Joe, that people bring up. We can't remember. Caroline O'Toole Carolina brought it up. We can never figure. So you're saying, like, Kennedy Park or Bradley Park, Caroline O'Toole had it by okay, on the corner. Stella's. I'm just saying this mysterious diner that you all are talking diner. about. I, I, I still don't have a... a you know, I'll have to ask John or Eileen, who's been in town a really long time because I mean everybody I'm brings up go. this mysterious <laughs> diner and I'm always like what
0: diner? I, th- I think that's like three podcasts in a row someone has mentioned seriously the mysterious Carolina diner. Was told,
1: she said that she got so she has run the pony for the last seventeen years and she said she got to know her staff going to this diner after the pony closed at like two or three am and she couldn't remember the name of the the diner um in the area that you're talking about, Miss Jamie. It, I don't know this mysterious diner. We're gonna somebody's got to figure out this name.
3: Well, I believe it had to be been there also when I was working at um, Care on the Square, which was one of the consortium schools um, back when it existed. And in the very beginning, I would go there and get lunch there. It would be it was awesome just being able to go into all the different places um, from when we were little was still great too.
2: And Janice, did you grow up coming to Asbury? Uh, I did not, um, but my mom did. <laughs> and uh, not long ago, we were on the boardwalk walking, and she was remembering all of the you know places from her childhood, and it was really neat. It was neat to mm-hmm. hear her. And then I remember too, as she was telling me, I was in um, Kay Harris had set up the museum on the mm-hmm. boardwalk last year, and I, yeah. you know, I could mm-hmm. I, rem- I remember the images from the photos. So it was really kind of mm-hmm. neat to have that experience of going through Kay's Museum and then hearing my mom's stories. It's neat.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. every A lot of people that we have, like Carolyn, um, uh, Tommy, are known, have these really amazing stories of growing up in in Asbury Park. and Or if not growing up, coming here coming. and this being like the treat for their weekend. So that's always... We love hearing. Okay. So we're going to do favorite movies because so the whole reason uh, Joe and I started this podcast, uh, you had a year and a half or two years ago was we were trying to humanize city workers it's because, because we were drunk. <laughs> well, I was drunk. You were sober. I was Joe.
0: sober. I'm, I'm sorry. I forgot. I was, <laughs> drunk and I was like,
1: yeah, let's do this podcast. Whatever. Sure. Whatever and I actually drink, during, I can drink and curse. Joe, let's be drinking curse during the podcast. But I will tell you there have been two times that I have I drank they're, things that I don't normally drink. And then everything went around. There
0: are two episodes that will never air.
1: <laughs> no, never air. It was those, um, what are those seltzers with vodka? Uh,
0: I always no, want to no, say white
1: claw. Oh, white Claw, Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, they, I was like popping them back, not realizing what I was doing. And anyway, we didn't air those episodes. So no, no big deal. <laughs> um, okay.
3: Favorite movies. Go ladies. Okay. I love musicals. So Sound of Music is like one of my very favorites. I love that. And then Willy Wonka is always on my DVR, so I can watch it anytime. Which Just one? Just sing along. The original.
0: The Gene Wilder. Okay. Yes. I'll, I'll allow it.
3: You'll allow it. <laughs> yeah. Spoken like a true preschool
4: teacher. (laughs) Um, I I don't know if I have a favorite movie. I'm going to say for the point of this podcast, it's Freedom Writers.
3: Oh, I love that movie. It's a good movie. movie. Okay, so inspirational. I
4: love all the students overcoming, you know, all the obstacles in their life and the happy ending of the teacher that gets through to them. And so... For the sake of this podcast, freedom writers.
1: <laughs> All right, and then I'm gonna see you out at Tides and be like, "What's actually your favorite movie?" Then?
3: <laughs> and then your- I will say that movie. Uh, the first time I saw that was on an air flight going to Florida, and I'm like in tears when I saw that movie. It is really good, really good.
2: And Janice' favorite movie? Uh, uh, that is a tough question. Um, I like the Star Wars series. Lord of the Rings series, mm. um, Dumb and Dumber, My Cousin <laughs> Vinny. <laughs> uh,
0: my cousin Vinny.
2: I watch my cousin awesome.
0: Vinny every time it's on TV.
2: Oh, it's great. Yeah. The Two Utes.
0: The two Utes. <laughs> and Positronic Drives. Okay,
2: and
1: last question favorite book? Uh, I know, we ask that all the time, and people are like, a lot of times, Hooper, like, I don't read. So I assumed if you're all teachers, you read.
0: English teacher should have. Uh, <laughs> okay, Maggie, I have one that
1: just...
4: This one out
0: of the no ballpark. English teacher has one book, though. It's like 40.
4: <laughs> exactly, Joe. I have so many books, and I don't know why. I have. There are so many books in my life that I'll slow down at the end because I don't want them to be over. <laughs> I just... Um, the help just sprang into my mind. It's one of probably a hundred of my favorite books. I don't know why that one jumped out, but I am so, there's a million.
1: Stressing Janice out.
2: I know, I'm like, cool. what have I read? I just read a book on the Lincoln assassination, but I don't know if that's my favorite one. Um, I don't know if I have an answer to that.
0: It's okay if it's the most recent one you've had, I think. okay. Yeah, because I... will stick with that. (laughs) Yeah.
2: I usually do.
1: There's a book called um, The Liars Club by Mary Carr that that I think is a really good book. Also, in high school, I read Kate, and I'm going to say her name wrong, Kate Chopin's The Awakening, Hmm. and that was probably one of my favorite books. And then... um, uh, I think my last one is a book called Auto- "Autobiography of a Face" by a woman named Lucy Greeley. It was an interesting book.
3: Okay, so I am not—I am not a huge reader. I read a lot of nonsense, you know, basically what's your be- what's the romance best kid- novels Ms. what's the Stingy? best kids that's, that's, <laughs> and that's what i was that's what i was going to say is that i de- i was going to go with my favorite kid author so um eric Carle with the art and creating and like showing kids how to make um the artwork from those series any of his books i love um ezra jack keats is another one that's incredible um with peter's cherries to so love it in fact I would always make that book a password on my computers (laughs) back in the day, because I'm like, who's going to guess my, no longer, but who would guess that one was when they ask you, what's your favorite book? And I'd always say Peter's chair. I still love that story with the kids.
0: There's 12 12 people out there now who know your password.
1: And (laughs) and maybe two on this podcast.
3: (laughs) (laughs) podcast. (laughs) yeah, No longer that, but you know,
1: all right. Thank you, everybody. Listen, thank, thank you, you. Um, uh, so much, Maggie and Miss Jamie, because other teachers did not feel comfortable doing this podcast. So I want to thank you both for taking the time. Thank you so much, Janice, for coming on. Thank you for not hesitating to do the podcast. Um, and we'll edit and, and have it up in the next week or so. Um, but m- much, much appreciated. And thank you, Shared Universe.
0: Yeah, Thanks, Megan, Chris. Appreciate yep. it.
1: Thank you. Thanks, everybody. Appreciate it.